Amen. So this year, or this week, we're looking at Reformation through, and it's, it's a tough topic. It's one that most uh, believers kind of know, and it's, it can be your Achilles heel. Um, it could strengthen some areas, and it will, it will pull you through some other areas. Amen. And I, I was hoping I could preach it, but unfortunately, I think this has to be teaching. Because when it comes to this particular topic, being overly emotional is not beneficial. And so quite often we've seen and noticed in the body of Christ that leaders begin to take advantage of the emotions of believers. And through that emotion, they capitalize on that. And that's not right. So this week, I want to take our time and make sure that my members and my sheep, which is y'all, um, know and understand the purpose of giving. And how we are reformed through giving. You can be changed through giving. The Bible talks about it, shows it, and we're going to run through each and every step. It is not a dynamic message, I know. But I believe out of the eight, seven weeks of teaching so far, every last one of them have been for you. Every last one has been something about your insides, about your soul, about how you, hello somebody. This too is for you, but it's going to come from you. Amen. And I want us to be very clear and serious about the role of giving in a Christian's life. Um, in my travel experiences, I have seen how leaders take advantage of emotions and spirituality in order to derive certain amounts of tithes and offerings. That is not good. It is not acceptable. And it is preached against in the New Testament. Uh, but regardless of what leadership does, it is imperative that you know why you give, why it's important to give, and what you should expect to see in your life when you give. And I'm talking finances. You can give time. That's nice. Hello? But don't nobody want more time. We want more money. And every seed produces after its own kind. Because if you had more time and you didn't have money, you'd work overtime to get money. So we could solve all of that if we could just sow money and get money. That's the way it works. Okay? You can't sow an orange seed and get an apple. It's just not how it works. You sow money, you get what? You sow time, you get what? You sow love, you get what? You sow kindness, you get what? All day. All day. That's the system of everything created. Is it gives you a little... What you do with that little determines what would come later. And that's in process. Amen? So all of a sudden, I can tell some of y'all already tense. Like, oh, my God. I told myself this year I was going to do better in my giving. And here it is, week eight. And I, she should have waited till like next, till ta taxes come in. And I could have really, when I get my tax money, I could really, I would have really done it up. I was going to wait till the taxes came in. Um, so let's look at giving. I'm going to give you two, four, six points as it relates to how we are changed through giving. I'm gonna give them to you in segments of two. All right, so our first scripture, we're going to look at Malachi. You already know, Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three. We're gonna pick up at verse six. There's a very familiar verse to those of you that have been thoroughly churched. If you have not, fret not, I'm gonna read it for you. Malachi chapter three, verse six. <clears throat> when you're there, say amen. amen. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, uh, are not consumed. 
From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Let's stop right there. The context of Malachi chapter three, verse six, uh, Malachi being the last prophet of the Old Testament before a 400 year silence of prophecies um, is leaving us with the idea that the children of Israel have become very religious. Um, they have done certain aspects of the law, but it has not been in their hearts. They've done the external, but not let, allowed those laws to convict and to change their insides. They've fallen away from God, turned away numerous times to the point now that it is just ridiculous. Like nobody really knows what to do. Everybody is seeking their, themselves and their own. And so Malachi shows up and the father is saying, listen, I need you guys to turn around. And he future tense goes on to talk about the day of the Lord, the coming of the Messiah. Malachi is one of the last prophets to prophesy about the coming Christ, which shows up in your Bibles in, in Mark, like the next, the next book. All right. But in between Malachi and Mark is 400 years of no prophecy, which is unheard of for the children of Israel because they were always told something about God, always shown God. When they got off, somebody would come up and speak and say, hey, get yourself together. Some prophet, some king, some judge will show up and point to them the way. So Malachi was the last one that didn't say anything for four generations. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Now, when Malachi is preaching this, they don't expect that God isn't going to say nothing for four generations. They expect that they'll get yet again another opportunity to say these things. They expect that I'm sure God is going to say this and reiterate this one more time. Yeah. That he's going to come back with another prophecy, another word of knowledge, some kind of sign, some kind of signal. That it's really that if I miss it, it's all right. He's going to come back around. They did not anticipate that this was the last time in their day God would speak. And then those somewhere around the third generation is looking back saying, when did God ever speak? He didn't speak it in my grandparents' day. He didn't speak it in my great-grandparents' day. And he didn't speak it in my great-great-great-grandparents' day. And now you're trying to tell me to do something. We ain't even heard God speak. We've had no new prophecies, no new signs, no new wonders. And you want me to live in a particular kind of way. When Malachi was preaching, they didn't anticipate this drought. They didn't anticipate this silence of God. And this is paramount because some believers don't recognize that there are times where God is silent. And what are you supposed to do when he's not saying anything? You better make sure you did the last thing he said. If you ain't fully committed and done the last thing God said, he don't need to say nothing else. And he starts off this chapter saying, I am God and I change not. So if you thought that just because I, you haven't heard from me, if you thought that just because the times have changed, if you thought that just because, you know, it's the modern day, but, you know, sometimes that was back then, but not now. He said, yeah, yeah, but I have not changed. So he opens up in Malachi and he says, y'all need to turn from your wicked ways and start following my statutes. The next verse goes on to say, <clears throat> return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? All right. Our bad. Forgive us. We repent. Now, exactly what do we need to do? Because the temple is all jacked up. 
You can't trust the, the priests. You can't trust the people working in the temple. I mean, nowadays we got new situations, new new problems. You know, people's out here, you know, making clothing, the clothes and, and, and nice dyes. And, and the whole world has opened up right before us. There's trading that's happening all over the place. Rome is starting to increase. Babylon is starting to decrease. They're just all, I mean, the, the age has changed for them. And so now what do we do? If we're going to turn back to you, exactly how do we do it? Because things are not the way they used to be in the day of Moses. Things are not the way they used to be in the day of David. They're not the way they used to be in the day. You understand. So now what do we supposed to do? Because it's not like it was back in the day. And so God says, first, I don't change. And let's look at what you're supposed to do. Verse eight is where we get our famous tithes and offerings verse. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And he says, in your tithes, and this is the English Standard Version, and contributions. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Stop right there. It's interesting in this particular verse that it highlights one of the key results of giving as it relates to reformation. We are changed in giving because giving is evidence of our obedience. Giving is evidence of our obedience. Giving is evidence. If you say you obey God, then when I pull your tithes <laughs> and report, your contribution report, from all the days that you had a job, we should be seeing that you have been giving as a result of obedience in your life. What I like to mention here is I did not say this. The word of God says that if you are turn your heart toward the father, then we should see you as a giver Amen. of money. Amen. I know what you're thinking, but I, I do give. I like I give people gas. And I, get, and I give, I give, you know, I, I bought my friend lunch the other day. You know, people ask me, you know, can you cash at me? I'm like, sure. That's good. That's great. But this particular type of giving, as it relates to coming back to the Father, is giving to the storehouse. And what people don't like about giving to the storehouse is you don't get to have any control over what happens to that finances. You want to earmark your money and make sure that everybody knows it came from you. You want to be able to say, I gave this person that, and they know that I gave them that, and they saw that I gave them that. Or, you know, people say, I bought this pew in the church. You ain't buying no pew in this church. What you did is you gave your money to this church, and I decided where that money went. Well, how, why would you would trust you? I don't know. You're trusting me right now, listening to the word of God. It removed your control. It removed your need for self-aggrandizement to be celebrated, to take pride in your giving. Because once you put that offering in the, in the, in, in the plate, the basket, or on the card swipey, it's no longer your control. No longer your control. You have to trust that God is sovereign over what you just did and what will happen to it. You don't know if it will benefit you later or not. You don't. You have no clue. I gave that money, so I expect the air, air conditioner to be working. I, I'm sorry, it's not. It's not working, and thank you so much for the contribution. <laughs> well, Pastor, how about I buy the air conditioner? No. No, thank you. You're going to have to do it like everybody else and trust God with your finances. If you're obedient, then giving is a direct sign of your obedience. 
that's just that's that's just what it say. Okay, let's move on. All right. So it says, if you turn from me, then I should see it. How? Well, number one, you're gonna stop robbing me. I didn't think I was robbing you. That's a bit harsh. I just had bills to pay. I, ha I had some I had some situations, some unexpected expenses. How many people have ever had an unexpected expense? They are not unexpected. If you've ever had an unexpected expense, they are no longer unexpected. You can expect them. And given the type of expenses you have, you could range how much that unexpected expense is going to be. This, this, this is just a fact. If you drive a $70,000 car, your unexpected expense for a flat tire could be about $2,000. That makes sense for that type of car. Hello, somebody. If you drive a $5,000 car that you got and pay in cash, hello, somebody, then you must admit that it's at some point, now watch this, your unexpected expense will probably be about 800 bucks. But I spent $5,000 on a car, exactly. You already know this car needed work. You already know it was going to need a new alternator. It was going to need a new catalytic, catalytic converter. I mean, and we already knew it was going to need. So when you spent 5000 you should have added another 1000 put it in the savings account because you know it's going to cost at least $1,000 in repairs for the deal that you got. Now, this is just wisdom. If you don't understand these things, holler at your pastor. She will help you. Pastor, I just calling four thousand dollars. Okay, you gonna need five. What? You gonna need five? Off the top, off the top. That, that's not unexpected. That is expected, right? So when it comes to giving, he said, "Well, you robbed me. We ain't robbed you. We just over here trying to make it happen, God. Okay, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to survive. All right. I mean, you got everything. You don't need nothing. Not the point. Not the point." The point is that you were supposed to be bringing stuff into my storehouse so that people in my storehouse have what they need. The idea of the storehouse and the temple was that the, uh, the priests had to do stuff. They had to sacrifice things. They had to burn things. They had to eat themselves. They had to pay for their own land. I mean, whether, wherever they live in, all that money was supposed to be in the storehouse. If somebody came in begging of alms, it was supposed to be in the storehouse. If somebody needed something else, it was supposed to be in the storehouse. So can you imagine... You go to church and say, I need something. And the pastor say, we don't have it. The problem is now as a result of the storehouse because God knew that person would have a need, sent them to the house of God, and the house of God is empty. So to make sure that we don't suffer any humiliation, you know I'm going to put up my money. We're going to find some money. We, we, what we going to do, I'm going to fuss at them later. But... <laughs> But we want to make sure when people have a need that we can supply something to that. Yeah. That has always been our MO. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's an imperative for a church. The storehouse is about making sure that the church has what it needs. The place that people come to worship. Not only that it functions, but it also is a, is, is a place of refuge for people that come in. Yeah. Consistently, all the time. That's, that's the purpose of it. So when you don't give, you are robbing God because he established this as a place for people to come in need. Because he imagine him thinking, now, I done gave all them ninjas a job. They all got jobs. They 
got jobs. Why for we can't find this money? It shouldn't be so. I know you all, you all all tense. <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta give me this. How often have I talked about giving? I don't. I don't. I don't. It doesn't even happen every year. It's not a sermon that I like or enjoy. Because in my personal opinion, as your heart changes towards God, so does your wallet. But apparently the Lord wants us to talk about it because some people's hearts are changing. But when it comes to giving, it remains unchanged. And there's a type of change that happens to your life based off of giving. So he says, will a man rob God? He said, yeah, but you robbed me. How, how, how? Well, you don't bring the stuff to the storehouse. See, it ain't, it ain't, you're not selfish. You're controlling. You're not selfish. You're a generous person. But you're controlling. Wow. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been manipulated. And you know, I'm, not, I'm not giving to the, to the church. I'd much rather give it to Susie over here, who I just saw at the grocery line. That's fine. You can do that and. Yeah. And. He didn't say you robbed me out there. He said you robbed me in here. In here. How many people are presently in here? All right. Some of you, this is just basic information, but uh, some of you, I hope your hearts are pricked. Verse 10 says, bring the full tithe. I like that phrase. Bring the full tithe. Oh, it's conviction raining in the house. Okay. When you say full, do you mean net or gross? I don't know. How do you want it to come back to you, net or gross? I mean, seriously, how do you? We're going to look at that in just a second. It, 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 automatically, the father's saying, yeah, you do some, but you don't do full. And for the most part, we don't do full because of our emotions, right? It's not because we don't love God. We're just emotional about money. Well, how do I stop being emotional? Give. Give. Okay. Giving increases our faith. That's point number two. Number one is giving is obedience, is evidence of our obedience. Number two is giving increases our faith. Let's look at verse 10 again. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour it down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail, fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. This particular verse is the only time that God ever says you can test him. On every other occasion, he says, don't test me. Who you think you are? Don't be testing me on every occasion. But this one. This is how important it is and how sure of a concept it is for all of the earth. You can test me on this one. You can put me to test. Bring your whole, bring the full tithe. Bring exactly everything you're supposed to give, right? Bring it and watch me. He said, watch me do what? Watch me make sure that you don't have any need. 
Now, either you a lie or the word a lie, because, but the word don't lie. He says, if you bring your full tithe, test me. Watch that you won't have any need. Now, these needs may be met in ways you did not prefer, but they will be met. You might have preferred a raise, but instead you got a decrease in expenses. Tomato, tomato, same thing. You might have preferred it one way, but you got it this way. Hello, somebody. They was going to evict you, but they said, we'll give you a little bit more time. You know what? I thank you because my next check is going to cover that plus that. You know what? Won't he do it? My needs are met. Somehow the father says, you can test me in this. He says, put me to the test and I will open up windows of heaven, pour down blessings. He says, I will rebuke the devourer, the things that come to eat up your increase. Like after you make it, it seems like it just, it just gets gone. Just, it's gone before you even had a chance. He said, I will rebuke him and tell him you have no place devouring up my baby's fruit. What? That's what he said. You're going to tell, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Go on somewhere with that. That's my baby's harvest. Uh-uh, go on, go on, go on over there. He says, so I'll make sure that when you do have a harvest and you do got a little something in your hand that it's not devoured, that you get to use it for what you intend to use it for. That doesn't answer what you want. Okay. Devour doesn't mean that you don't spend it. It means that you spend it towards what you intended to spend it towards. Okay, you just can't keep fruit and just sit it there. You have to do something with it. Bake it, grind it, eat it, saute it, can it. You got to do something with it. Okay, you just can't let it just sit there and rot. So rebuking the devourer means that he will make sure that what you intend for that finance will occur with that finance. Who don't want that? All right. What we have to challenge here off the top is your idea for hoarding. This is this. I know, I know. Because when you say rebuke the devourer, you imagine that you got vats of stuff, money just sitting, just ain't nobody going to devour my money. Look at there, just sitting there. Everybody, ain't nobody going to devour. They're just stacking on up, getting that bag, giving them yams. You know what I mean? No, he says, I'm going to rebuke the devourer to make sure that what you need it for, it will go towards that. What you intended, what you purposed for that money is where it's going to go. Your baby need braces? Boom. Braces money. Braces money didn't go to the alternator. Braces money went to the braces. Look how God is doing. Look how we doing you, right? That's rebuking of the devourer, yes? The second one is, he says, if you open up the windows of heaven, I will rebuke the devourer, all right, uh, and I will not destroy the soil, the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord. The thing about vines and grapes is grapes only come at a certain point in time. Yeah. It's a very specific window of a couple of weeks, maybe less, that you can actually expect to see a grape. Not fully grown, but it has to happen in a very narrow window. So all the way up until then, you don't know. You got the vine, it's looking all green, it's looking all lush, the leaves start sprouting out, you be like, look at there, it's about to be good. And then, nothing. It's too late to start over. You can't plant something else. It's not gonna be ready. No way, you are done with that and you didn't know that you were done with that until it was too late. So he says, I'm gonna make sure 
that when there's a problem in your vine, y'all don't want to help me, that I correct it before it's too late. Y'all don't want to help me today. You can see in advance, now nah, that's not going to work. I can see how. See, that's going to fall on the, on the break. Now nah, we need to do something about that. And you'll be able to see it and make that correction in your finances and the help of God before it's too late. I'm going to make sure your vine produces. I, I, need, I need my vine to produce. Yes. And sometimes you don't know that you done messed up till it's too late. You know how you do. You sign them car loans. With some, some divergent plan for your, for your down payment. Just, what are we going to do? Spread the down payment over five weeks. And you can put down. Don't act, don't act like you're too good. Don't act like you're too good. We're going we're gonna to put the down payment down over the next four weeks, but that's only like an initial $400. And, I'm, and you come to me and I tell you, but baby, you didn't have, that's, when did you say you could afford an $800 car note? Because in essence, that's what you just committed to is $800 a month, okay? For a $400, that's, you, don't, you didn't have it today. You're not going to have it then. You're about to set yourself up and you're not going to notice it because you're going to convince yourself it can be done until things start getting shut off, until the eviction notice start coming up. And you'll be like, what happened? I don't even. I know. I know. It's okay. Okay. My first major was economics. I can tell you. All right. You need the Lord to make sure that your vine produces. That the effort and toil you put into something shows up. And, and, and it's there and present for what you need it for. Amen? Amen. All right. And so he says, yep, then all nations uh, will call you blessed. Giving increases our faith. That's point number two. Because he says, test me. Put me to the test. Give your tithe, give your contributions, and put me to the test. Let me show you. Now, off the top, anytime we give, it is challenging. But the type of giving he's talking about here is sacrificial. Because tithe is just 10% off the top, the first fruits, all right? But contributions, that's a whole other ballgame. Contributions is kind of like, well, how you want me to go with this? Like, do I give everything? That can't be right. That can't be right. No, no, no. Do I give most? Eh, no, no, no. What I need to do is I need to give some and then make sure. See, now all of a sudden, things start moving, and you done moved out of the realm of faith. If you can see how it could work, then it didn't require faith. So tithes and contributions is a matter of you trying to increase your faith. I believe, but help my unbelief. How about you help your own unbelief? Because this is an area he says you can try him in. Y'all don't want to help me. You can't, you can't try God. I ain't going to take my medicine and see what happened. No. All right? Don't do that. Okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not. No. No. I'm, I'm going to see what happened. No. No. None of that. It's only one area you can say, I'm going to try God and see what happens. And he welcomes it. Only one. None other. Not the job. Not the doctor. Not your health. Only one. Hello, somebody. So giving increases our faith because it will put you in situations where you'd have to trust God. All right? And it should. If you're giving at a point where you don't have to trust God, then it's not increasing your faith. It's not. It's just not. 
So then it becomes a matter of what is important to you. Let's let's go on. You have said it is in vain to serve God. What profit is it to keep his charge or walking as mourning before the Lord of hosts? These are the kind of things that that people were saying, like, you, you don't have to do all of that. What you need to do is worry about you, yourself, and I. And then we look on Instagram, we look on TikTok, we look on Snapchat, and we find all these money gurus and all these people trying to tell you what to do with your money and how to do it. And you're like, you know what? That's what I need to do. I, what I need to do is I need first, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy some property. You, <laughs> and even they will take advantage of your lack of understanding and your lack of wisdom, but your eagerness to be wealthy. And because they look it, you believe them. You don't even know their life. You don't even know if the suit, they actually own it. You don't even know how they live in. You don't even know what their house look like. That could be an Airbnb and you over there listening to them. Like, uh-uh, he told me what I need to do. And when the pastor say y'all should give, I see what I see. What see? What's this about? It's about balance. It's about balance. And you see my life. You see mine. You see it in faith. You see it in obedience. And you see my finances. Pretty much, you know I ain't starving. As a matter of fact, for the most part, I'm living very nice. Very nice in Jesus' name. So at least you can say, well, that ain't. If I do it like that, then that, if I end up like, like pastor, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't that bad. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, I mean, I mean, when you look at it, that ain't, that ain't that bad. I mean, so if I give by faith, according to what she is teaching and trusting in God, then even if I land up somewhere where she is, that ain't that bad. That's pretty decent right there. I think I might be all right. Me and my kids will think we could squeeze that out. That'd be nice. <laughs> Amen. He says, if you're acting like it's not important, you act like it's just a problem, that it's in vain to do these things. And he says, but there are a couple of people who fear the Lord that begin to talk amongst themselves. There's some folk that begin to meet and say, ah, uh, the direction people is going with this money thing, that ain't the way. We need to keep God first. We need to think about God and do what we need to do towards God. Now, the rest of the world is saying, no, you need multiple streams of income. You need to have your, your real estate property. You need to have your this, your that, your this, all these other stuff. You got you to put it, you got to put on the, on, the, on, the, on the cryptocurrency. Then you need to go ahead and flip that. And, you, and, and, and that's the whole conversation. But there's a group of people that talk amongst themselves and said, what we're going to do is, I don't know, I think we really need to be aware of the Lord. As it relates to money. Like, I mean, that's good and all. I know you're trying to get your bag and all, but somebody needs to be mindful of the house of God. Somebody needs to be mindful of the things of God. And those particular people had a conversation amongst themselves. It wasn't put on Facebook. It wasn't trying to tell everybody what to do. It was a bunch of God-fearing people that came together and said, as for us, we're going to worry about the house of God. And he says, those individuals, he wrote their names down and kept them. So any day that they need to be saved, they'll be saved. If they're ever in need, I got a list of them. That's who I'm coming to find. If they ever have lack, that's who I'm looking to save. Right there. It's a book of remembrance that I remember when everybody else was going left. Y'all just quietly amongst yourselves decided we're going to worry about the things of God and the house of God. Hello, somebody. Everybody wants us to move. 
We all want our, our own building, a different building, don't we? We want a building that has a kitchen, somewhere where we can have a freezer and a refrigerator, some spot where we can put a couple picnic tables out there. You know, and, and that's just my dream for our church is that we have a huge yard and every Sunday we have a barbecue. And we invite people from the community, plus our own community, our own church, and we just have a cookout every single Sunday. Every Sunday, everybody knows, well, if you ain't got nothing to eat, you don't know where to go. You might as go over to Renew because they give out free food every single Sunday. And all the church people, they ain't going to brunch. They at the cookout, and you was invited every Sunday. We go to brunch every Sunday together most, for, most, for the most part anyway. That's just something we could do right here. But in order to serve the community and serve you as a family, it takes money. And not a little bit, a lot of it. I told you guys this year we, we increased our giving at a year that I didn't think we could. And we increased it greatly by $75,000 this year. Some of y'all said, I didn't even know we had that kind of money. No, you didn't know you had that kind of money. But there are some people who can say, oh, yeah, I know, because I know what I've been given. If you only deal with little numbers, you only going to have little numbers. If writing a check for $100 is all you, is like your max, then that's always going to be there. God is not going to trust you with big numbers if you can't use and think about big numbers. Yeah. That's, that doesn't make any sense. You go from 100 air to 1,000 air to a millionaire. Because anytime you jump from 100 air to a millionaire, you're going to be back to 100 air. Every single time. Every single time. Some of you guys live like hundreds, right? And then you get your income tax in the thousands, and it's going, and you're back to living in hundreds. Somebody said, Pastor, what should I do with my uh, income tax? I might be getting a lot. I said, your car paid off? No, nah, but I don't need to pay that off. <laughs> Holler at your, at your girl. All right, holla at your girl. Let me show you how wise it is to take that off your list. How much more fruitful it will be if you had that kind of money and get that expense knocked off. How much more freedom, how much more use of your money you could have. I mean, I could show it to you in numbers, all right? But the idea is you don't even know it because you don't trust God. You barely listen to me. And you're emotional about money. But those in this house that I have counseled you on finances, how to spend your money when you get it. If you feel like you have increased since then, can you stand? My, 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 my. <laughs> Y'all go ahead and sit on down. So giving acknowledges, uh, it increases our faith. It puts us in uncomfortable situations that, that cause us to trust God. And he always shows up because he promises that with money. And the thing on some other stuff is you could try God, but I don't even know God really said that. Like, I don't even know that's what he said. You don't have to worry about that with money. You do not have to worry about that with money. That's one area. You give, oh, did I hear him right? Don't, it don't even matter. It don't even matter. The issue is did you give? Yes. That's it. You give it, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven, period. That's the only one that you don't have to worry about if you heard correctly. Because even if you heard incorrectly, the idea of God's heart is, but you gave to my storehouse at your own risk. Baby, I'm going to make sure you have what you need. Some of you are so afraid to believe that. 
But you believe God for salvation? You believe him for salvation to save your soul from hell, but you can't believe that he's going to make sure you have what you need when you give above and beyond your means. If somebody got $2 million, could you see yourself giving the church a million? So in essence, what you're telling me is that you could see yourself giving 50% of your increase. Really? Let me see. See? See right there. You can only imagine it if you get it. But if you can't do it without it, you can't do it when you get it. You would give the church a half of your increase? Let me see. You won't. I know you think you will. But at $2 million, you're going to have some other expenses. You're going to need to buy the house and your grandmama's house and your mama's house and your daddy's house. And eventually you're going to be like, well, you know what? The church, I'm going I'm to I'm tithe off of it. I'm going to break past off a little something. And then, there they go. They're half gone. We ain't even got the million. How you store it little is how you store it much. So you can believe that you would, but you won't. Because the, the, the ability to do that says that I can be content and I will make work whatever you give me, whatever I have. I'll be contented and I'll make it work. If you can't do that with a little bit, you can't do it with a lot of it either. You're going to look at the other millionaires and be like, well, they bought this other house, man. I might as well get that. You know, I was, I was always faithful. I go to church, you know, I gave them a little something. And nobody would know because when you give it to me, you'd be like, I gave you a tithe of a million. Thank you. I'm not going to be ungrateful. Thank, I, we need that. That's that more money we ever seen. Thank you so much. But you know. You know. And when he talks about bringing all the tithe to the storehouse, you know what you said you would do with God and you didn't do it. And you know that there's nothing we could say or do about it because we're still grateful. But you know. And he knows. Hello, somebody. All right, let's look at Matthew 6, 19. Point three and four, giving sets our priorities straight and giving acknowledges that God owns it all. Matthew 6, 19 and 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where the moth rust and destroy, where thieves break and steal it, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is Matthew chapter 6. Verses 19 to 21. Now, I don't know if you put your money where your heart is or because you put your money there, then your heart goes there. Either way, it's going to happen. Do you want me to say that again? I don't know if you only put your money where your heart is or where that's where you put your heart. Eventually, that's put your money. That's where your heart's going to go. All right. Either way, they're not good. You have to be very careful about that. Well, how you spend your money reveals your priorities. And if you say it's not a priority, but you keep putting your money in it, it will become a priority. It will become important, imperative. Because at the end of the day, you've sacrificed so much. You've come so far. You know, I got so close. And so now when the Lord be like, well, can you do this and give it to the church? Ooh, I'm so close to my down payment. Ooh, I'm, I'm so close to, uh. So now all of a sudden, we see where your real heart was. And it's not about your goals. The idea about money and stewardship with God is that this is a test of whether you 
are for the kingdom of God building or for you building. At every turn and every choice, y'all sit down. At every turn and at every choice, it's about are you for building the kingdom of God or are you for building yourself? This is true in every decision you have to make with money. Is it about me or is it about God? And it's always boiled down the exact same way. Always. Your, your, your turn is right in there. Is it about me or is it about God? Verse 25 shows up. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more food, more than food and the body more than clothing? How do you define living? Is it just about staying alive physically? Is that life? We put you up to a heart monitor and it regulated your blood and all your pumps and all that stuff. Is that living? If we made sure we gave you, fed you intravenously so you were physically still alive, would that be living? Huh? No. no. Okay, now, is it about what others think? So you're, you're only really living if everybody could see how good you're living. Your clothes, your outfits, how it looks, how it appears. You look successful. You look well accomplished. You look like you've done something with your life. Is that truly living? Because we've got a whole generation over here just now figuring that out with this Instagram, TikTok, and, and Snapchat stuff. Like, oh, it, it's more to life than just what I project? Because I done put up all kind of filtered pictures. Do you know that scientists have proven that we are increasing in our uh, insecurities because of the filters? They have proven that because you keep using filters, that you don't like your actual appearance. That when you see yourself in real life, you don't like it because you kept seeing yourself filtered and that the filters show you more of the things you need to change that are really not even necessary or even possible, but then you keep seeing yourself through a filter look. You're, you trying to project something outwardly is destroying you inwardly. That's why I love posting. Hashtag no filter. Hashtag no makeup. Ninjas. Well, you can do that. You could too, but it's going to take time to work on your skin. It's going to take an investment. You're going to have to be looking ugly and busted for a while. Long periodically time to get all them spots cleared up. To get that. That's not my message. That's not my message. Nope. The idea here is that giving sets our priorities. It shows you where you're being hypocritical. You say something is important to you, but that thing is long term. And you don't do the long term because you just want the short term. So it's really not that important to you. It's not. What you're doing is you're chasing the high of instant gratification. The African-American community is, is, is notorious for this because we would have zero dollars in our account and we will overdraw our account to make sure that we look good when we go to the next thing. Because our self-esteem, unfortunately, has not been corrected to show that it's not external. Yeah. That we would like our external more if we actually liked our internal. Yeah. 
But no matter how you upgrade the external, you're never going to like it because of the internal. You're not. You're going to lose all the weight and still think you're fat. You're going to have all the clear skin and still feel like it could be clearer. My skin could be tighter. It could be, then you end up looking crazy because your eyes going to be all back here. And we're going to be like, oh, my God, what happened? It was never good enough. It was never good enough. And the same thing as it relates to money. Because not having money makes you feel insecure. It doesn't matter how much you have, you'll never have enough. It is an internal problem. It's not an actual number problem. You buy things to look good even though you can't afford it. You buy things to look good even though it's not wise. You buy things in order to keep up so you'll feel better about yourself and you're never going to be wealthy because it is an internal problem. Somebody said, I don't like taking money from people because it makes me feel bad. I take money from people all the time. Oh man, I'm embarrassed when my card is rejected. My cards get rejected all the time, but the key here is I got other cards. Run it again. I don't care. Give me two seconds. Let me move this over for them to move my check into savings and move it. But at the end of the day, sometimes you swipe my card, it might reject, and I'm like, you know what? I don't even need that. Look how the Lord just blessed me. I need to walk away from that. I need to walk away from that. Let me go get the other card. I ain't even going back in the store. I ain't even going back in that store. <laughs> but you're so afraid of what people will think. You're so afraid of what people will think because not having money is an insecurity for you. Because you got teased. Because of how they mess with your head when you didn't have any money. And that concept is going to keep you broke. It's going to keep you broke. Your value is not determined by your bank account. It's just not. You can be an amazing person broke. Hello? But not you. If you're insecure about money, you're going to be broke and a horrible individual. You ain't got no money. Everybody's just get out the way. You know, they got money problems today. <laughs> Oh, God. It's an insecurity because you believe that somehow money will give you value. You walked into a store and you knew you, knew you didn't have enough money for it. So you already felt insecure. Then the lady treats you some sort of way. Now you double mad because how you know that I even had no money. You ain't even know. You even come ask me. Right. But if you have money. And you walk into a store, and you can afford anything in the store, and they treat you funny. You don't think it's about you. It ain't about me. They're having a rough day. You don't know that because insecurity and money go together with you. But I've walked in plenty of stores, and people treated me funny. Like, Pastor, they were treating you funny. What is they? That was bad customer service, but oh well. Next door, and I'm just going on, have no idea that this, I should feel bad because they thought that I didn't have the kind of money that I was supposed to. I don't feel bad at all. I got money. The issue is I just don't want to spend it on this. Huh. I can make this happen if I want it to. I just don't want to. But that's how you should be. 
That's how you should be when you walk in a store. I could, but I don't want to. I could, but I don't want to. I think it's stupid. I got other plans with my money. Hello, somebody. Like paying that electric bill. That's a plan. All right. Listen. He says, he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor wheat nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? It would appear as if these birds is the laziest among them all. Just lazy. Just, just living carefree. Just tweet, tweet, tweet. Just no cares in the world. Just whatever. La, 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 la. I'll find some food. It'll be all right. And the rest of us insecure about money, looking at folk that's just living carefree about money. Somehow it's going to work out. Be like, you're going to be broke. You stupid. You need to. You need to make sure that you work and toil for this. You need to make sure that you, you put in overtime for this. You need to make sure that you get it. Now, the issue here is the birds don't do none of that. They didn't, they didn't work a day. What they're eating, they didn't even sow. They're just running around singing their songs, having a good time. And the father made sure that they ate. The father made sure that they ate. So what's the point of a job? Why do we go to work? So he might have an, a way to bless you. Just one of a million ways. Just one of a million ways to bless you. One of a million. What if you went to your job and realized, I'm not here for the paycheck. I'm here to be obedient to whatever God has me to do. What if you recognize, I'm not working for the money. God going to make sure I eat regardless. How much pressure would that take off? How would it change your mindset in your life? Hello, somebody. He said, the lilies of the field, they ain't even, they didn't sew nothing. They didn't, they didn't spin it. They didn't, they didn't stitch it together. And yet they are beautifully clothed. Yeah. He says, even if you're worried about how you present yourself, even if you're worried about how people will perceive you, you don't even have to worry about that. I'm going to take care of that. I got you. Don't even worry about it. But I want to make sure I look pretty. I'm good at that. I want to make sure I look nice. I'm good at that. Because whether you're buying something that costs $5, $2, or $500, it's more about how you wear it from the inside than it is at all about what you actually put on. I mean, I've seen some models and be like, what is they wearing? Shoes. Like what? <laughs> Y'all have be like, I gotta go. But they be like, I'm a model. Y'all gonna like this? We be like, you know that is kind of cute. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have on a perfectly acceptable outfit, right? Perfectly acceptable. It matches. It fits appropriately, and you feel so insecure. This idiot got on a trash bag, cinched with a cord. And they walking around in more confidence with a trash bag on than you in a well-appointed outfit. How? He says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, 
which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? He says, oh, you of little faith. You're worried about how you're going to survive and you're worried about how you're going to present yourself. And the father says, that's my worry. I take care of those things. Me. You're going to put on what I gave you and it's going to look good. I mean, don't nothing make me feel better than a good clearance item. Woo! I bought some shoes the other day to wear to the concert. I said, and they clearance. Look at that. Woo-wee! You can't tell me nothing then. Because now I look good. And I was frugal. Whoa! Catch me. Catch me. Woo! That's, that's, some, that's some blessings right there. So he says that you have little faith because you don't recognize that God owns it all. And you're more, your priority is taking care of you rather than taking care of God's kingdom. And you don't trust and believe that his priority is taking care of you. That's his priority is to take care of you. When you're making money and getting money, your priority to take care of yourself. And most of us were taught that. I got to take care of myself. I got to take care of myself. I'm an adult. I got to take care of myself. And then you mess around, have kids. I'm an adult. I got to take care of myself and these kids. And the more you focus on that, the worse you are at it. Go ahead. Check your record. Check it. The more you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of me and these kids, the worse you are at it. Now you've got overtime. I don't know if I spend enough time with the kids. Now you're snapping on them every two minutes. I'm, I'm, yeah, you, the more you focus on it, the worse you are at it. Hello? Huh? And you be like, I'm sorry, baby, it's the pressure. It's just, um, the money. Uh, never mind, you don't even know that. Uh, it's just, uh, uh. And you know it on this side. Same thing with you. The more you focus on taking care of yourself, the worse you are at it. You're miserable. You're stressed. You still ain't making it happen. Your money's still low. You still end up having to rob Peter to pay Paul. And you're just miserable the whole way through. I'm telling you from experience, I do not concern myself with taking care of myself. I haven't for over 16 years. I concern myself with taking care of the kingdom. And surprisingly, surprisingly, the Lord uses you, the stock market, investments, all kind of stuff to take care of me. One of a million ways. But pastor, that's different because you're a pastor. No, it's not. You are a disciple. We covered that last week. You are sent to preach the gospel, to witness to people. So that means he wants to provide for you like he provides for me. You're just focused on the wrong thing. It's not about, well, I don't need to work. You need to work. But why you work needs to be different. I need to save. You do need to save. But why you save needs to be different. I need to invest. You do. But why you invest needs to be different. Because if it's not a priority of the kingdom, then you are going to fail at this. Hello? Proverbs eleven twenty four. One One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another with hope. Shh. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. 
the word of God is telling you when you give freely, he says, it's, it's crazy because the person that gives freely just gets richer. I've seen people do this. I, walk, I, I might mention the need at the church. It happened last week. I mentioned the need, looked at the cow. I said, oh, my God, we is broke, 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 more than broke. I don't know. It's a terrible idea. I just mentioned it, okay, because I just so happened to pull up the app. Sister Jewel heard me, and then immediately said, Pastor, I'm going to donate this money. And when you look at her growing richer, it's because she freely gives. She never, I don't know, ooh, should I, ooh, uh, uh, uh. She'd be like, well, I feel like the reason you said it, because the Lord showed it to you at the time that I had this money, and so if the fact, though, it was supposed to go to you. It's a free gift. All the Peterson clan is like that. The whole slew of them. The whole slew. Just freely. And then they keep every year. More, 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 more. Because they freely give, they grow rich. He said it's the weirdest thing. You would think if you freely give, give, you're going to run out of money. Can't be freely giving stuff. Can't be giving all your money away. You're going to never have nothing. It's the opposite. It's the opposite in the kingdom. The more you freely give, the richer you grow. And the one who withholds what he should give will only suffer want. The Lord knows that you withheld. You thought one number and talked yourself down from that number. You can't pretend like he don't know it. And then you can't figure out why at the end of the month you're still in need. Still suffering want. Hello? Whoever brings blessings will be enriched. And one who waters himself will himself be watered. Pretty good. Yes? And Matthew tells us don't be anxious. And I think that that is the paramount point for Christians. We don't give because we're worried. We don't give because we're worried. He says, but you got to test me in this. Give freely. Give what's on your heart. First Corinthians says it's imperative that believers give based off of what God has placed on their heart. That number that came to mind, that was him. And it came from a good place in your heart, one that wasn't trapped by fear. It did. It did. But now you're going to talk yourself out of that. What if I got it wrong? And this, when it comes to money, it doesn't even matter. He says, test me and I'll show you. I used to tell this example. I tell this example all the time. I used to go to a church and I wanted to give, back in the day I was a college student so I had no money. All right. But I wanted to give $20 like I gave five. And for me that was a lot because we had church almost all week. It was like five different services. Two Sunday services, two midweek services. That's $100 in a week. For a college student, that's a lot of money. All right. So $100 a week, I was like, oh, man, I can't wait till I get the kind of money where I can, like, put down $20. Like, it ain't even nothing. Boom. Like, it's just $5. Like, whatever. That's just, that's chump change, you know. And so the Holy Spirit told me, well, do it now. I was like, oh, that's the devil. <laughs> it's got to be. Because when I do the math, it don't add up. The, the math don't add up. If I did 100 something's going to go lacking. So he said, try me. Oh. So I did it. About the, after the first month, came the second month, something was getting cut off. Called my mom, mom, uh, I need some money for my electric bill. She sent me the money. 
Thank you. And I tithed off that money. <laughs> and then go pay the rest on the electric bill. Now, but the third month, I'm even more late on the electric bill because I tithed off the first bill and I only put a portion of the second bill in the money. So now it's even more. And they be like, oh, you need to really pay this extra money. And I be like, oh, mama, I need some more money for the electric bill. All right, here, here, here. Now, what I don't recognize is the blessing in somebody being willing to give it to me. You think it's a curse that you have to ask, but you don't even see how God just blessed you to make sure your lights is still on. But I just, I wouldn't even have to ask. Ask and it shall be given, ninja. Third month, I'm even four, more far behind. And she's she like, well, what did you do with the money? Huh? What has you been doing with the money I've been sending you? I, I was giving it to the church. Damn, you was giving that money to the church. Yeah, I was giving it to the church. You, I gave you that money to give to you. To you, you. Okay. Then, then she said, I'll just pay it myself. And she didn't even give me the money. <laughs> Which works for me. Yeah. I can't tithe off of what never came to me. <laughs> <laughs> By the sixth month, my car broke down. Oh, wow. I have not, I don't have enough to buy a new car because I'm giving beyond my means. And I gotta go get a car note. Credit shot out, shot out, shot out. Gotta go buy a car, right? Credit down bad. I go to buy the car, interest rate 24%, good God almighty. I'm sweating, I don't know if it's a good idea. I call my other pastor, can your husband come take a look at this car and tell me if it's a good car? Look at the truck, it's a good truck, all right, it's a good idea. The man say, listen, you pay, you pay the bill, then we'll sell it and it increase your credit report. We'll sell your, your debt to another company after a year and it increase your credit report. I pray, I pray, I pray, I say, God, I don't know what else to do. I know this is a foolish decision because interest rate too high, but I know I need a car and I can't get it and right now I can't afford it, but I don't think it's a wise decision. I said, okay. I ain't got no other choices. I'm going to buy the car. I bought the car. I made the payments every month for a year consistently. By the end of the year, the company did what they said they were going to do. They sold my loan to another bank to boost my credit report. I called out of the bank. I said, hey, I need to start making my payments. They said, we don't have your loan right now. Call us back in a month. I said, not a problem. Save this money to next month. <laughs> I put the money aside. I saved the money till next month. I call them back next month, we still don't have it. Call the other company. I call them, they said they don't have it. Do I pay y'all? No, we sent it to them. So this goes on for four months. At the end of the six months, I stopped. I just stopped, I just stopped altogether. Stopped saving the money, I had a good chunk of change now, hidden in my bank account from myself that I wasn't gonna spend. Now I got a savings account and they can't find a loan. They never found that loan. I paid one year on that car. On. <laughs> never found the loan. Wait, 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 wait. That car is technically being rented by Gabrielle. And it's been sitting out there forever, I mean, to this day. Okay, this was almost 13, 15 years ago. That's how old the car is. It is still running and still generating profit to me. What do you see in that? There were times where it was hard. There are times where I still trusted God. But I never would have imagined that that one decision would pay for my first bins. 
Never would have imagined. Never would imagine. It taught me how to trust God. It taught me how to be faithful, how to be obedient. All of that. You don't know how God wants to bless you. You really don't, but you can test him. Standing all over the house. 